You are now tuned to the Japan Podcast, episode 72. Let's get started. Hey, how's it going, folks? Ichi here from TEIJG, otherwise known as the Japan Podcast. Um, I thought I'd do a little podcast this week, and the first thing we're going to start out with is a little update from Anthony the Crank, straight from the land of the rising sun, Fukuoka, Japan. So here we go. Let's see what we got. I'm going to read this verbatim, so let's see if I can do it in uh, my best Anthony accent. The Yank and the Crank chinwag this morning from across the pond, so to speak. Watch out. The Crank now has his hand on an iPhone and under the supervision of the Yank. We are mobile. Here are a few pics from cold Japan. So this is uh, Eric speaking. I'm going to put post up the pic- links to the pics on the podcast page over at com. So this is his description. The New, Year- the New Year's shoppers are all lined up outside Z-Side at 9 a.m. to buy their lucky bags, surprise bags, or mystery bags. Call them what you will. They are different prices depending on what the booty is inside of the bag. Sorry, no pics of the bags as I was heading f- for the coal face. Yep, work. Kind of like the movie Hellraiser, <laughs> if you're young enough to remember. <laughs> Food pics. So here's some f- pics from a shopping center in Saga. The crank knows where, where Saga is. It's in the sticks. The Japanese word is inaka. So inaka means countryside or basically the sticks, the boondocks. Uh, the food is cheap. The bento lunchboxes are freshly made and delicious, too. I'm partial to the garlic pig's feet. But it doesn't go down well with the students. <laughs> LOL. Tension station escalators. Yep. The New York. And they're all out and about. Sorry. The New Year. And the, yes, they're all out and about. So he took pictures of the, the shopping district in Fukuoka called Tension. It's packed during New Year's. Japanese house and apartment construction sites. They're clean, organized, safe, and they knock them up in no time flat. So, yeah, when they build houses in Japan, everything is pre-cut. And uh, as much as possible is done beforehand. So when the when the trucks and the workers are on site, things just go fast, fast, fast. So pretty cool. In fact, my father-in-law owns a construction company, and he has a sawmill where they do pre-cut, pre-cut lumber. So before they even get to the job site, the house design, they know the house design, they cut all the lumber, and it's like bam, 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 bam. The, the wood frame, the roof's on, then the electricians and the plumbers come, and next thing you know, it's done. So they, put them, they knock them down and put them up really quickly, and they always keep a, um, a uh, what do you call it, like a, a scaffolding with covering, so it's not an eyesore. So it's really cool. But uh, I guess an interesting story is, um, I don't know if this is uh, a regulation or not, but it's kind of common courtesy for the builder to talk to the neighbors that they're getting ready to do something. So it just so happened that my father-in-law's company was building a house next to somebody in the neighborhood who they, they, they've known. I mean, it's a small community, so everyone pretty much knows the company. So then we get a call from, I guess, the the mother there asking about how big the house is going to be and things like that because they're a little worried that this new house is going to show up their old house. So it, it was kind of funny. And uh, I'm not sure exactly uh, 
I'm not sure if the, that that family decided to start building their own house a year or so later or not, but it, it was just funny that, oh, how tall is the house going to be? How big is it going to be? You know, they weren't asking like they were jealous, but they definitely were jealous. They were just asking like, is it going to block our view and things like that? But basically it was like, wow, our neighbors are getting a brand new house and we're going to be in this old house. Because this neighborhood's really old and majority of the houses are really old. So it's kind of kind of interesting. But yeah, we talked to, uh, I talked to Anthony yesterday on Skype for about an hour. He just came back from Australia. He's back into back into the the grind in Japan. And we were just talking, you know, catching up good old times, but we're going to definitely try to settle on a time. And uh, if if I can't get him on the audio, I'll just do what I do and tell him just to email me a uh, a little update with some pictures and stuff. But now that he has an iPhone, it's dangerous cuz I just Today, last night and today alone, I think I have like 20 new pictures because, you know, once Anthony gets started, it's all over. But that's cool. The the, the pictures are going to be a nice, uh, a nice um, pleasant update to the blog. We can actually start putting more, more content on the blog. Okay, and the question of the week comes in from Gary. Gary says, hi there. I just listened to one of your podcasts on teaching English in Japan, the pluses and the minuses. And I have to say, the pluses outweigh the negatives. Agreed. With that said, my, uh, he's, I won't say where he's from, but he's from the United States. I have been acquiring the requirements to teach here in my hometown for the last year. And I have just one more hurdle to become a licensed teacher. Why I'm writing is... To you is because I want to know the steps I would need to take in order to become an English teacher in Japan. Would be so kind to help out, help me out in this particular area in which I seek information on how to be a teacher in Japan. Of course, of course, that's what this podcast is for, Gary. We will give you the opinions of two folks: one American, myself, and one. Aussie, one Australian, Tony himself has chimed in. First, let me give you, uh, I'm going to read what I actually replied to Gary, but I figured the rest of the audience would definitely be interested in to see my opinions and my answers. So I, of course, thanked them for the email. And the first thing I said, um, I thought I would label the, the potential options in, in this uh, teaching English in Japan. And I listed them in my order of if I were in the position of an American with a bachelor's degree and a, a t- teaching certificate, the kind of the, the the order of ones I would pick, and the first one would be number one, the Jet the Jet program, the Japanese Exchange Teaching Program, uh, and that is you become a an assistant language teacher for the government schools in Japan, so high schools, uh, junior high schools, sometimes elementary schools, depends where you are. Uh, the pluses with this is the money's really good. The apartments are subsidized and they're really nice usually. Um, lots of vacation time and trips for furthering your education as a teacher and cultural exchanges and things like that. So it's it's a really cool program. I think it's limited to, used to be limited to three, but I think you might be able to stretch it to five years these days. So three to five years. Uh the negatives of the JET program are placement. Sometimes you're placed in the sticks, which can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on your personality and if you want to learn Japanese quick or, or other things like that. I mean, you could be one person I know, and I've probably mentioned this millions of times, was um, 
stationed on an island. He was a jet teacher on an island south of Okinawa. And he had to take several island hops, you know, depending on what his schedule was like to go to different small schools. Some people would hate that. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Are there any other negatives? Hmm. Okay. Well, like a lot of ALT type positions, you can pretty much only take off during public your time off and public holidays. So it might be a little bit more expensive to travel. Um, oh, the hiring. They only hire or, or accept applicants. I think they do it once a year. So it's a pretty complicated process. Lots of information they need. And then there's no guarantee they're going to pick you. So if you do decide to go the jet route, make sure you have a plan B and maybe even a plan C ready just in case. And know that the, there's deadlines for submitting things. Submitting things. And uh, some people, like myself at the time, I was thinking about it, but then it was such a house I decided not to not to go through with it. The next uh, number two on the list would be to get an ALT position as, at a dispatch company like Interact. And you hear a lot of beef about uh, these these dispatch companies. Or and number three, which is the Akaiwa schools, you hear a lot of people complaining, but that's. You know, depends on the situation, depends on your personality, but I didn't have any beef with it. The money was lower than I thought it should be because you're getting maybe, I think in Fukuoka area, it's 230 to 250,000 start depending on your situation, but they try to get you in at 230,000. The good thing is you don't have to do all the cultural activities at the, that the, that jets would have to do. So good or bad, depending on how you think about it. Um, you get the benefits of being a jet, but then you're, you're a contractor, so you, you don't have to do some of the BS stuff. So it's plus and minuses. But then again, you have to deal with the company BS, so yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, that would be second on my list. And no, the reason why it would be second is it is um, there's no subsidized housing usually, and the pay is lower than jet. So you're doing the same job as a jet, but you're not getting paid as much. You're not getting compensated or a subs- subsidy for housing and things like that, so... That's a problem, but it's not, I did it for three, four years, so it's, you know, to me it was no big deal, but depends on, again, your preferences, so, number one, jet, if you can't get into jet, or you don't have, or the timing is not good, then I would say do a dispatch for ALT, and number three would be conversation school, which is what I actually started at, and I kind of actually prefer, because the classrooms were like three to five students, with a couple of kids' classes here and there. So it was more of a conversation instead of teaching a full classroom full of students. The plus, the plus is you can take vacation pretty much with any of the, any of the major Akaiwas. You can take your vacation pretty much anytime you want. So you can get the cheaper f- flights out of the country if you need them. Um, small classes. Uh, usually you don't have to wake up early. They usually don't. Most schools don't open until like ten or noon. My schedule was like one. 120 to 9 or something like that. So that was perfect schedule for me. Uh, there was a, a morning shift with like 10 to 5 or 10 to 5.50. And then it was like a mid-shift kind of halfway in between. But again, this depends on the school and the area. The money is usually good. And pretty much most jobs you can, I could say, you can pr- at least get 250000 The two ALT positions are, are different because Jet pays more. Uh, the... Interact, ALT, dispatch type company, they pay a little bit. They pay less than the Jets. 
about the same as the Ekaiwa, but the good thing is with the the dispatch companies, you have the same vacations as the jets. So you have long summer vacations, and, which is nice. You, so, and you don't have as many classes usually. With the conversation school, you end up having more cla- more uh, classes in one day. I mean, when I worked at Nova, it was like eight classes a day, and two of those would be like voice classes, so not really class, just a conversation room. So I think now it's like six or seven, maybe. So it's you know it's, it's what you want to do if you don't ever want to teach in large classrooms, and you you know, don't want to experience life as a as a quote unquote teacher in Japan at a school, then conversation school. There's no problem whatsoever with them. You can get business classes, you can get travel classes, kids classes, you know all kinds of stuff. Um, you can take your vacations whenever you want. Uh, the 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 some negatives the. A Kaiwa market isn't as strong as it used to be, but there's always going to be room for them in in Japan because you know people in Japan are terrible at English. Let's face it, they want to learn it, but they're just too shy. Okay, so those are my my three choices in the order: Jet, ALT, and then Conversation. I put them in that order of what I would pick right now, but. Think about what I've been talking about for the last five, ten minutes, and then decide what is your situation. I mean, if you're going there just to get the visa for the first year to look for another kind of job, you definitely want to be in Tokyo. So you take whatever you can get, Eikaiwa or or the Interact-type ALT dispatch company-type jobs. Just say, I want to be in Tokyo, Tokyo City proper, you know. That way, once you get there, you can kind of figure out the lay of the land, maybe work one, two years, and try to figure out how to get a non-teaching job. But if you're going to be a teacher in the future, you probably want to do JET or the other ALT. But Though any teaching is a really good experience. Okay, let's see. So what else did I say? I said if you're an American, you need a four-year degree. Salaries, you can expect low side 230, but you're not working full-time, really. And then high side 300,000, give or take. Average about two hundred fifty thousand, give or take. Let's see. It's more, yeah. It's more than enough to live on, as long as you don't go crazy. And we always recommend have one or two private lessons that pay you weekly, so you can supplement your your monthly paycheck because you only get paid every month. Okay, things you should know: you're paid monthly. Jet and ALT jobs have more days off, and you can usually only take vacation during that time off. Is what I said. It's expensive to fly home during those times. Jets only hire once a year. Japan is awesome. You'll love it. <laughs> so then I put some of my recommendations here. Number one, I said the order. Jet, ALT, and then Eikaiwa. Number two, bring as much money as possible. I know a lot of people will be graduating with student loans and things like that. But if at all possible, try to bring as much cash on hand. So when you get there, you can open up your bank account. You'll have a, a nice little uh, bundle, security blanket. And, you know, I recommend several months worth of salary, if not three days. I know it's hard, but if you can get three to six months of salary in the bank and keep it that way, it makes life so much easier. But I understand most people are graduating from college and they'll have debt. But try to get the debt as low as possible. And try to set up all your automatic payments so you'll be able to wire money to your bank account and then pay everything without having to send envelopes home and and doing all kinds of... uh, Money transfers was just a pain in the neck every month. Uh, let's see what else. If you haven't studied Japanese before, I recommend getting a phrase book. Any kind will do. The um, 
go to your local bookstore and just grab a phrase book. Uh, also, learn katakana and hiragana. And I would say learn katakana. People teach, in schools they teach hiragana first usually, which are which will help you read Japanese words, the easier Japanese words. But then katakana is for the borrowed words. So in daily life, it might be better to actually, for restaurants, there's a lot of things in katakana. You know, like curry rice would be like kare rice. Yeah, hamburger would be like hamburg, you know. So you can kind of figure it out in your daily life. But both of them have the same sounds. So you get like 50-something characters. And you could probably learn them within two weeks. So, you know, get some flashcards, practice writing them. And I have, a, I have an app in the iTunes app store, iOS app store. If you want to pick that up, it's Kana Sounds, K-A-N-A space Sounds, S-O-U-N-D-S. So it has the characters and how they're pronounced. So if you want to pick that up, you can go ahead and pick that up. And if you do, thanks. <laughs> but you can you can pick that up. Seriously, in, in two weeks, you can learn Hiragana and Katakana. You won't be the best, but you'll definitely know them. You'll be, you can recognize them. You can read them. You can probably, if you practice enough, you can write them. So I would do that. Get a phrase book for the most common phrases. Where's the toilet? How much? Uh, which way is this? And then learn Hiragana and Katakana. Let's see what else is on the old list. Um, oh. Um, once you're in Japan for a few months to half a year, then you'll kind of get the lay of the land, and and then you can decide if where you're at is where you want to be. If not, start making plans and get out of there. If you're a jet, it'll be harder because they want you when they put you in a place. It's usually, it's next to impossible to get out of it, so you're stuck there for the one or three years unless you quit and go to another job. If you work for other companies, they have national chains. You can you can usually transfer with little to no ease. Um, if not. Quit. Well, go get a job and then quit yours, and you know, and make the move. Cause there's no, no, nothing worse than to be stuck in a place you're not really f- having fun at. So if you like the countryside, you should be there. If you like the city, you should be there. If you like in between, you know, whatever. Let's see. Oh, number five on my list was go to Japan with an open mind. You're gonna have a a ball, but you can't go with a closed mind. You're going to a place. A different culture, you're a guest the whole time, basically. You're going to be treated very well 90-something percent of the time. They're going to ask you to eat some funky shit, you know, whale meat. Don't bring your pre-existing conditions, you know. Oh, my God, you're killing the whales, you know, whatever. Um, Just say, you know, I don't eat whale meat or, or just try it at least. Not many. You, there's not many chances you would get to eat it anyway. It's not like it's served every freaking day. It's like very, very rare occasions. Or they're going to have some, you know, fish that are flopping on you. <laughs> some sushi, some weird sea. There's all kinds of sea creatures and stuff. And, you know, just try, you know, try it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But definitely go with an open mind. You're a guest. Try to learn as much about the culture and the language as possible. And you'll be, you'll have a ball. If you're a dude, there's lots of nice looking chicks. If you're a chick, there's lots of cool, nice looking guys, you know. Just... Don't just hang around foreigners. Though it's cool because you'll get to meet people from different countries. Like from Australia or UK or India, Africa. So it's good to meet foreigners. But also your majority of the time you should probably try to make as many Japanese friends as possible. And most of these friends you make will be your friends for the rest of your life. So it's pretty cool. I still talk to the majority of my friends in Japan. Like on Facebook, on Twitter, by email, by 
line, the messaging app, messaging app on the on the smartphone. So you'll have a blast. Okay, so those are my recommendations. Now let me pull up Tony's. Tony had a lot of them. Let's see. He had a long list. Some of them I'll edit out because uh, no, I won't edit. I'll just glaze over them. Number one, he said money. <laughs> you would need to have some coin. Uh, credit cards. You can bring your credit card. And some places you can use them at, but a lot of places only like to take Japanese credit cards. And it, it'll be almost impossible for you to get one. So you'll probably be functioning on mostly a cash um, cash lifestyle, yeah? So I don't think the only way foreigners usually can get credit cards is through their spouses. Unless you're balling, like crazy balling. But I've, I had a credit card when I was there, and, and I knew if I went to big department stores, I could use it. I mean, I even went to, like, um, I think it was UFJ Bank, and I, I took a cash withdrawal of 1000 bucks one time because I wanted to see if it would work. I was like, oh, it works. So, I mean, I wouldn't do that, but let's just say you can. But little shops around the corner and things like that probably won't take credit cards if they do they like the japanese ones yours might work it might not work number two uh, you'll need health insurance depending on which situation you go into a lot recently these days they're kind of forcing you to go with the the the, the company one was it um i guess the shakai hoken and stuff like that which is the the national health insurance but some companies will will get you like a a commercial plan for the time you're there, but it depends. I think a lot of the the government's kind of frowning upon that, and they're having you join the, the Shakai Hokan. And, and there's another name for the similar one that's run by the state, by the country, I should say. Uh, let's see. Oh, if you're big, tall, whatever, you should probably bring some trousers. Anthony calls them trousers. I call them pants. Pants, slacks, trousers, whatever. Uh Bring a suit or two, probably two, uh, and then bring a bunch of like Dockers type pants and some really nice button, some nice button up shirts and, and a handful of ties, definitely. Because they're still, most of the time during the winter, you got to wear a tie if you're an ALT or or uh, work at conversation school. So, But you can buy ties and stuff there for cheap, no big deal. But if you're big, tall, large, or whatever, definitely bring clothes for the year or. <laughs> Figure out the next time you go back home and bring it up to cover. So I remember I bought like I brought like six pairs of slacks and two suits. Then I bought like ten button up shirts. Ten? No, maybe like eight. And then you know, T shirts and underwear. I brought enough so I wouldn't have to go shopping for a year or so. And then once you get there, you, you know, you can figure out um do the Japanese clothes actually fit your body? And depending on on what city you're in, Japanese sizing is definitely way smaller than than American sizing. That's for sure. But uh, depending on the you know, the size of body you have, will determine if you can actually buy clothes in Japan or not. But there are big, big, tall shops and things like that. But not many, and and it's a little bit pricey. Okay, what else is on Anthony's list here? Uh, oh. The usual uh, roll-on deodorants or stick deodorants. You, you probably want to bring your favorite brand because it's it's really hard to get proper deodorant in Japan. I mean, you can get the Axe body sprays and and they have a like a 
women's kind of spray deodorants, but it's not as prevalent as as it is in in the West. I think. Um, I remember I used to bring. I would bring. How many would sticks would I bring? Like six to eight brand new sticks every time I went home for vacation. That way I knew that I was good for a long time. And during the winter, you know, you don't have to wear as much as you do during the really hot, humid months of the summer. So that's and uh, if you're an ALT, you don't have to work as much, so you don't have to wear. You know, it's, so you try to be sparing with it. But Costco used to have some some stick deodorants, but uh, depending on where you live and how close you are, you might be able to get some there. And they have you can order online as well. It's a little bit easier than it used to be, but you definitely cannot get, you know, at your local supermarket, you can't get that. There's not that much selection, if at anything, if anything at all. Okay, what else? Um, we used to bring cold medicine and things like that, and Anthony still recommends it. But don't bring anything with codeine or anything like that cause, or inhalers because it, it's pretty much illegal and blocked. They're just going to confiscate it anyways. I used to bring, like, NyQuil or NyQuil tablets or cold medicine type things, or if you have... You know, you can get aspirin and bufferin and things in Japan, so that's not a big deal. But any of your favorite cold medicines, as long as they don't have anything too strong in them, they're pretty good to go. But they're, most drugstores in Japan have like a, uh, a pretty decent supply of cough-type medicines. But I found I always brought at least, I would bring the um, NyQuil gel caps, and I'd bring like a box or two of those. So if they got confiscated and thrown away, I didn't care about it. But usually they just went right through. Let's see what else. Uh, visas are a big thing. So if you're not following my recommendations, I mean, different countries have different visa arrangements. I know the UK, Australia, New Zealand have working holiday visas, so those, they're a little bit different. But for an American, and this question was from an American, in order to get a, a visa, you have, pretty much have to have a four-year degree, unless you're married and you get a spouse visa. But the working holiday isn't that great for it doesn't even exist for Americans, pretty much. But uh, you'll be you will get a like a humanitarian visa for for teaching or whatever, and that's pretty much the way you gotta go. For your computers and technical stuff, Anthony says, uh, "What you call it? Uh, I should answer it." And, and I would say bring a notebook computer for iPhones and stuff like that. Um, you're going to have to get one when you're there. You might, previously the, the phones were not like world type phones. Yeah. So you, you wouldn't be able to use the SIM card from there, from Japan for an America phone and vice versa. But recently they're getting closer to, to the point where each phone has enough of the chips in that it can communicate with any tower in, in any country. So might be changing, but I got my phone through. There's three companies: there's AU, there's Docomo, and there's there's um I guess it's Vodafone now, and uh, SoftBank, SoftBank, not Vodafone, Vodafone. So SoftBank, Docomo, and AU, and cheapest one would be SoftBank. And I probably, depending on where you live, I would recommend SoftBank. It's just cheaper and usually easier. Let's see what else did um. Anthony say, uh, let's see, but tech, you know, bring it, I would say bring a notebook computer if you can, or, and, and, or a iPad or something to connect 
to internet, so you'll be able to communicate with the rest of the world. You're going to be wanting to use if you if you want to talk to your relatives and friends, you're going to be using Skype and things like that. So you'll want to have a camera, a uh, laptop with a built-in camera or an external web camera. Don't worry, you can buy all that stuff there as well if you don't mind the Japanese operating system. But I recommend getting a nice Mac, like a Mac Air, MacBook Air, or MacBook Pro, because it's going to be your entertainment source for movies videos on youtube and things like that so i recommend that uh let's see what else uh he mentioned region of where you worked like i I said depending if you want other other job opportunities outside of teaching you're gonna want to be in tokyo number one or possibly osaka or nagoya but i would not recommend nagoya i don't like nagoya at all but that's just my personal opinion Tokyo, number one. Osaka, number two for for non-teaching jobs. For comfort of life, if you're teaching, Fukuoka is a nice-sized city. Not too big, not too small. International airport, subway, things like that. But Tokyo is the place to be. If you want to be anywhere that's happening, you got to be in Tokyo or Osaka. But I would say hit Tokyo first. Uh, let's see. He talks about salaries. I mentioned 250000 plus mine. 230 is the lowest I've seen for full-time, and that's the ALT position. And that's because you're not working full-time, really. You have long summer breaks. And, uh, you know, I never did more than four four lessons a day in that situation. It's usually two to three. So you really couldn't complain about And you didn't have to do too many extracurricular activities. You were just sitting down in the teacher's room trying to occupy your time and planning lessons. So it wasn't too bad. Uh, let's see. There are some teachers that make four hundred to five hundred thousand, but they're you know you got to hustle to find those jobs, and to work at universities, you almost always have to have somebody give you hand the job down to you, and these days you pretty much have to have a master's degree or some kind of teaching certificate. But again, community college and, and semon gakos, which are um, specialty colleges, like flight attendant or hair salon, things like that. They often have English teaching positions in there as well. Uh, let's see. He said, he talks about conversation schools. You get about 10 holidays a year on your first contract and they add a couple. Uh, you don't usually get the Japanese public holidays except New Year's. So that's cool. So you got New Year's plus about 10 days. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Well, I think that's pretty much all he mentioned in his list. So, I think those those points will get you going where you need to go. And um, I think one directly at this answer is directly at Gary because you're getting a teaching certificate. You can usually get a hundred or two hundred more. So another ichiman or ten thousand yen or twenty thousand yen for having that certificate. So make sure you bring your diploma and that certificate with you to show them as proof. And you can usually get that extra money. Even from the day you start working, you know, I've known people who had the teaching certificates and they got an extra 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 from day one when they had zero experience over me who had like three years experience just because people like the pieces of paper. I wouldn't recommend if you don't have one now to go out and, spend an extra year or two or whatever it takes to get one if you don't plan on teaching for your career. But if you have one, it's it's something that benefits you a lot.
And what else? Uh, I think that's about it. Yeah. Again, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to the Japan podcast, formerly known as TEIJG, the Teaching English in Japan Guide. As usual, any questions we will answer, we'll get get down to the we'll get to the bottom of it for you, Anthony and myself. And other than that, we'll see you in about a week or two on the next episode. Don't forget comment at the blog teijg.com. Send me an email ett808 at gmail.com. And uh, sayonara.